Blog Talk Radio. It's tough being a parent. We have so many decisions to make from the day we discover we are expecting. Parents do the best with what they know in the moment. Parents made My parents made sure that I was vaccinated as a child without question. But parents today are questioning everything. My father couldn't attend my birth because he wasn't allowed to. Fathers today are now allowed to be in the labor room with their significant others because a lot of patients began to question why the men weren't allowed. They began to question the drugs and routines. What was then normal no longer is. Some parents are now questioning vaccines. They want to know what's in them, and some are refusing to have their children vaccinated. They're concerned about the efficacy and what the side effects or long-term effects may be. These parents are being ridiculed, mocked, and dismissed by strangers on the Internet, their friends, neighbors, and by pediatricians. We live in America, the land of the free, or do we? Right now, vaccinations are enforced in the state of California. Emeritus Professor F.W. Newman stated in 1874, I assert that it is beyond the functions of law to dictate a medical procedure or enforce any scientific theory. That makes sense, right? That's what freedom and self-determination are in an enlightened society. Do we still live in one? Stay tuned. If I ever do anything right I want to be so Progressive Parenting is a listener-funded show. No part of this program should be construed as medical advice. And now your host, Gina Kirby. Being a parent is the hardest job you will ever have. Progressive Parenting understands this and wants you to know that you are not alone. My name is Gina Kirby, and I am your humble host. I am not a parenting expert, but as a doula, childbirth educator, La Leche League International breastfeeding peer counselor, and concerned parent of four children, I understand the difficulties involved with parenthood. So every week, I invite doctors, nurses, family workers, authors, and experts from different fields to answer your parenting questions. Now, because this is a progressive talk show, we will broach topics and air opinions that you as a parent might not otherwise hear about through the mainstream media. The mission of progressive parenting is to inform, not preach, to share, not advise, and to connect, not alienate. Progressive Parenting Radio is a listener-funded program. If you enjoy the information we bring you, please consider donating. You can send a PayPal donation to paypal.me forward slash radio donation. 
Progressive Parenting Radio has been broadcasting for over 10 years, bringing quality information to listeners like you. We'd like to thank our listeners and our sponsors, Doula Trainings International, the fine folks at Bebomia, and Doula Book for supporting our mission to bring great information to listeners like you. We will be taking calls about 25 minutes into the program at 347-850-1642. That number again is 347-850-1642. Uh, because we have some special guests that will be calling in at the beginning of the program, and we don't want to interrupt uh, the time that they've taken to share with us today. I am very excited about today's topic and about my guest, who is Peggy O'Mara. She was the editor and publisher of Mothering Magazine from 1980 to 2011. In 1995, she founded Mothering.com and was its editor-in-chief until 2012. Peggy's books include Natural Family Living, Having a Baby Naturally, and A Quiet Place. She has presented at Omega Institute, Esalen, Bioneers, and La Leche League International. She is a recipient of the La Leche League International 2001 Alumni Association Award and the International Peace Prayer Day 2002 Women of Peace Award, the National Vaccine Information Center's 2009 Courage in Journalism Award, the Holistic Moms Network 2013 Lifetime Achievement Award, and five Maggie Awards for Public Service Journalism from the Western Publishing Association. She's on the advisory board of Attachment Parenting International, Best for Babes, Holistic Moms Network, Infant Massage USA, Intact America, and Oak Meadow. She is the mother of four adult children and grandmother of two. Peggy has lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico for 30 years. Peggy, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, Gina, thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm great. so happy that we've recently met, and um, my bio intimidates me. <laughs> <laughs> to you with Natural Family Living. It was a book that I had in my maternity store in California years and years ago, and we used to have it in our lending library, and I made sure to read all the books in the library, and, and that's how I found out about you. That was a long, oh, long nice. time ago. Nice, nice, yeah. <laughs> so uh, at the beginning of the program, I was talking about um, uh, an enlightened society and freedom yeah. and uh, parents questioning things. So um, uh, you, you've written a lot about this topic and um, where to start. I, I would really like to just start at the beginning uh, with how hard it is to be a parent, and then um, the how difficult it is to even just have the temerity to question anything from the medical community, exactly. yeah. and then what happens after that. If you could speak to that, that would be great. Well, I think I could speak to my own experience as a new parent. You know, the I was my first child was born in 1974. I was a back to the land hippie. I was leading a natural life in every way that I could. You know, I I have electricity in my house, and I. Had instead of I turned off the electricity and I would have you know oil lamps. I mean I was, you know we tried to grow <laughs> our own food. We were canning, um, just really trying to figure out what it meant to be natural. So when I had children, then you know I looked at those issues that come up in through that lens. Uh, so when I looked at birth, um, circumcision, vaccinations, all those decisions that you have to make, education going forward, I looked at it through that natural lens, and I just had more questions than answers about vaccinations. And that's kind of what it boils down to um, in, you know, in the broadest sense. It's not that you, I I never felt like I came to this like, oh, you know, like decision, I've got to do this. I just could never bring my child in to get vaccinated when my well child in to Mm -hmm. get vaccinated to be made sick in case she got sick later. The logic just didn't make sense to me. And I think one of the and, and, you know, and I didn't, I mean, I asked my doctor about it. She was just indignant that I would even raise the question. 
I, I talked to a, a biologist about it, and he said he was he worked he was an animal biologist, but he said, yeah, you know, there's it's not all cut and dry. There's reasons to ask questions. Um, but at that time, you know, there wasn't there was nobody was asking questions about that, and um, so I guess the, what I'm saying is I think it's really hard to make that decision. We don't make it as parents in terms of what's good for society we think of what's good for our child our one child and that makes it a different kind of a risk and benefit analysis than i think public health workers would make looking at the whole population but for just a mom looking at her kids you know i'm just looking at the risk and benefit and one of the problems i guess if you call it a problem we have with the vaccine program is that most of the diseases that we vaccinate against we're not that particularly afraid of nor do we see them in our society wreaking havoc. Um, as a young woman, I, as a young child, I grew up with measles, mumps, rubella. I had all of those diseases, chicken pox. My children had chicken pox and measles. Uh, so some of those diseases, uh, like those, don't feel as threatening to us, I think, and didn't feel as threatening to me as others might, like polio and pertussis. Well, yeah, I, I, I thought... Um Back when vaccines were introduced, the um, the mumps uh, wasn't uh, it wasn't a terrifying thing to get back then. It wasn't. I had it. I remember it well. You know, it was a crummy um, disease, yeah, but I wasn't that sick. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. So I had heard that the the measles was really mild by the 1900s and had an almost 100 percent decline in deaths by the time vaccines were introduced. Yeah, well, and then there's that whole argument, you know. I think, I mean, you know, we can't argue that vaccines are effective. I think the argument today is that we've become so aggressive about using them. There are so many for things, again, that we're not particularly afraid of, and we're seeing, um, you know, just like any medical procedure, there's always going to be risks, and there are additives in vaccines that people are concerned about. You know, in the before 2000, there were, it was the thimerosal, the mercury in vaccines. It's still in the flu vaccine. Um, hmm. And... You know, I know that some people have been concerned about the aluminum in vaccines. I've talked to uh, one woman who uh, was on an FDA advisory board, a, a nurse friend, and she was concerned about the, the I don't know if I, can, if I know how to pronounce this, adjutivants, the, these extra, these ingredients that were added to boost the effectiveness of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's just a lot of ingredients in vaccines that we're not aware of, and, and like and they're the only procedure, medical procedure, that there's any kind of um, requirement to have. You know, there's no other medical procedure. Um, I, I can't imagine that we could require uh, vaccines. Well, I don't even want to try to imagine, but uh, for adults, we could require vaccines for adults in the same way that we do for children because the only, thing, the only reason we can require them for children is that we can hold, um, you know, public schooling as hostage if they don't do vaccinations. And I think inherently that's probably, that's definitely an unjust situation. I think that's what they're finding in California with the Senate Bill 277 that took away a religious exemption for vaccines. There's a, a lawsuit in the works now about that, uh, claiming exactly that, you know, that it, that it really violates um, uh, the, your freedom of choice by having that um, forced vaccination. Right, I think it violates a, a lot. Um, one of our, our <laughs> listeners, yeah, one of our listeners, wrote in and said that it was uh, adjuvant, a d j u v. Yeah, a d j u v a n t. Adjuvant. Right. How do you pronounce it? Do you think? I said adjuvant. I don't know. We'll find I out. Because, adjuvant. No, uh, I think you've got it. I think it's adjuvant. Yeah, I think. <laughs> so um, 
I wasn't going to take a call, but this is one of our special guests who was going to call in really quickly uh, with just um, a quick uh, comment and or uh, story. Hold on one second. Is is that you, Samsara? Yep, can you hear me? Yes, you're live on the air. Thank you so much for calling in. Just so everyone knows, Samsara Morgan is a doula, counselor, coach, and parenting educator in Oakland, California. She's the mother of five grown sons and the grandmother of three. She has founded the Oakland Better Birth Foundation, whose mission is to reduce infant and maternal mortality rates by offering childbirth and breastfeeding education, doula support, and postpartum services to all who need it, regardless of their income. She's also a friend of mine. Samsara, thank you so much for calling in. Um, what were you You're hoping to share this morning? I know you've been really working really hard on this topic for a long time. Yeah, uh, this has been just a heartbreaking issue uh, on many levels. Um, but I just I wanted to make sure that there was uh, some discussion on the specific concern for families of color, particularly African-American families, with vaccination. Um, we need to be aware that there is a whistleblower in the CDC who's come forward yes. and has shared with us the information that um, the study that is being thrust in our faces saying that vaccines are safe and effective have uh, very important portions of that study have been removed from it. Um, and those, the, the portions that were removed were the, was the information on how particularly the MMR vaccine puts African-American boys at an increased risk of autism. Yeah. Uh, he was commanded by his superiors to destroy this information, and he did not. He put it in his face. Um, he applied for whistleblower status, and he received it which should be something that we should pay attention to. You don't get protection as a whistleblower. He's still working in the CDC today. Every day he's going to his work, going to his job with his superiors breathing down his neck, and he's getting a lot of pressure to go ahead and destroy and get rid of. He he was begging to speak before Congress, like literally begging to to, to share what he knows with the American public, and he's being repeatedly denied. That's why it's incredibly important for everybody to see the movie Vax and get the full story on that. That, that Vax takes that. I mean, it's, there's there's issues with the vaccines on all kinds of different levels, but Vax kind of picks out one thread to help us kind of focus because there's so much misinformation and there's so much just immediate pushback on the issue. Um, let's take a look at this one line, and then maybe we can grasp all the other storylines are a part of what I do believe, especially with the issue of race, it's a, it, it, is a, it is a civil rights issue. It is a, a personal choice issue. It's a parenting rights issue, religious choice. It's a personal freedom issue. And so when we have a situation where even if you, even if you feel that it's okay to vaccinate, what that information tells us is that if you just waited if you did not follow the CDC's schedule and you waited and you gave the, child, the same little black boy the vaccine when he was three, the impact on his central nervous system is almost nothing. Wow. Why they want to slam these kids with all these vaccines when they are, you know, when they're, their immune system, baby has an immune system that is being primed and, and, and it's being matured by being breastfed by its mother. <laughs> yes, and is already working. And that, Sarah, it's not like Betty does. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, it's okay. I just I wanted to thank you for calling in, and you've raised some, like, really amazing issues. I thought you would be excited to know that Dell Bigtree will be calling in in just a minute. 
Yay! Yay! <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited to hear that. I love them. Yes. So yeah. thank you so much for the work that you're doing in Oakland. You're doing amazing work, and I just I support thank you, and I'm hoping that people will look into uh, the Better Birth Foundation in Oakland after uh, the show today. Um, we'll talk to Absolutely. you again. Absolutely. Thanks for thank all your you, work. Thank you, dear. All right. We'll Thanks talk for letting me have a moment. Bye-bye. Oh, my God, of course. Love you. <laughs> I have the best friends. Okay. Um, <laughs> so she brought up some really, amazing, um, some really amazing points. Um, I did not know about... Um, um, the people of color uh, whistleblower um, uh, case, like I didn't, I did not know about that. That is huge uh, and needs to be looked at. Uh, I have a question for you, Peggy. I just found out today uh, that the CDC actually makes money off of vaccines. How do they make money off of vaccines? They have to give out a. Um, in order for you to get your vaccine approved you have to pay a licensure fee. So, there you go. <laughs> I mean, well, no, money's I, at I the don't... base of all of this. Yeah, absolutely. That well, that's that's troublesome. I didn't know that until yesterday. I I've had enough issues with vaccines uh, in my own mind as a parent, but no, finding out that the CDC actually makes a profit um, from from vaccinations that that's troubling to me. Can I can I circle back to the can we can we uh, pause this for a yes. second and I circle back to the previous the gal that just spoke yes, because yes, I'd like I'm to sorry. give people a little information for that the, the whistleblower is named William Thompson. If you want to go to my website PeggyOmera.com, I have an article about him with links to his testimony. And there was a study published in 2014 that showed that African-American boys are more at risk for autism if they're given the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine before the age of two, and that's what the gal spoke about. Um, and that was buried. That was taken out of the data. Um, mm. And I actually attended a um, congressional hearing uh, with uh, Senator or Congressman Burton in 2000 in which the CDC presented a study that showed that the risk of autism and other autism spectrum disorders was two, was twice the national was two times if you uh, had uh, taken the vaccine schedule and then that vac- that information later was taken out of that study that study was changed up to come back and say no that you know it's all fine so i've seen other instances in addition to this william thompson whistleblower of studies in which um you know I- information is is has been definitely tampered with and evidence has been tampered with in terms of the, the research information. And I think that plays into what you're saying is there's a whole other level here of cronyism and money that's involved. I mean, if you, you can look at the American Academy of Pediatrics website and you can find their donors, and their donors who are giving them more than $10,000 at a time are the vaccine manufacturing companies. Mer- Merck and many of the others are donating to the American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, physicians are severely pressured to um, comply with the vaccine schedule. Uh, somebody, anyone who speaks out against it or doesn't comply, is um, their reputation is challenged and you know, often ruined. Um, so there's incredible um, both, I think, financial and um, professional interests here in terms of the public health community. One of the things that I think about is I don't think that it's ever possible on some level for the government to admit that vaccines are connected to autism because of the huge financial liability that would cause. Think of it. It would bankrupt the government. I mean, right. probably quite literally. So I think you're right to say that there are 
definitely money interests involved, and there's money interests in, I mean, we have a for-profit healthcare system, right? So there's money interests involved in a lot of our healthcare system. So we have to be particularly vigilant, vigilant then as parents, because we're the only ones living with our decisions 20 years from now. Our medical people aren't going to remember maybe even our names, you know, but we'll be living with the results of our decisions that we make now into the future. So it's important that we are, you know, very not naive about that somebody's out there protecting us. You know, we think that as parents, and you were saying in the beginning, we have these huge decisions to make, and we do. And, and you think in your wonderful romantic view of parenting, which which you have as a young parent, that society is out there to protect you, you know, and it's watching out for you. And on some level that's true, but on another level it's an adversary to you. You know, it really, because of the commercialization of our society and uh, the infiltration of money into all of our institutions, you really have to be vigilant about um, what special interests might be involved in the pressure that you're getting, the bullying you're getting to make a decision, and really be very careful about doing your own research and your own thinking about it. Well, well that's the thing is, you know, anytime it comes up, uh, if I ever bring up anything about vaccinations on progressive parenting radio on my Facebook page, uh, you know, there's always going to be somebody out there um, really upset, like very upset with me for even questioning vaccines. Um, and, uh, and we'll say things like, and I quote, we checking out of nonsensical conversations now. I forget how privileged and anti-science most of you doulas are, and I remember now why I don't engage. So, like anybody who's questioning vaccinations, are we're ridiculed. Uh, where does this? Well, and you know that that's a concerted effort. I mean, when they use anti-science words or quackery, there's certain sort of code words that are used. I mean, this is a concerted PR effort by the vaccine proponents, so that when you have these people, these aren't just. Because this is just this has changed very recently. There didn't used to be that much attack against the person that uh, chose freedom of conscience, but that's been manufactured and geared up by the uh, vaccine proponents in a very uh, aggressive way. That happened with the whole thing about the measles outbreak in California when there was originally conversation about that. People were being inflamed like mad, but but again with the same kind of vocabulary. And there's a um, I'm going to try to find this because I have an article on my website about this too, about a a woman who talks about this this actual this breaking down of this language about trying to defame somebody's character, you know, if you don't agree with them, which we see so much more in society right now, and particularly in relationship to vaccinations. But um, that's just not some pro-vaccine mom out there saying that. That's somebody who's an advocate that's possibly even paid to be um, stating that position. Right. Well, yeah, you hear things like, oh, highly educated doesn't always mean highly intelligent, <laughs> uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, but it isn't, I mean, history is completely replete with what people believed uh, being later dispelled. Sure. Right? For sure. Like um, yep. uh, women, uh, if anybody ever read The Bell Jar, uh, uh, psychological uh, diagnosis of hysteria uh, was uh, typical for women. A group of scientists, mostly men, determined that women, huge surprise here, suffered from mental conditions, and they published their theories in a scientific journal at the time. And the articles reinforced the belief that these conditions were real, resulting in women being put in insane asylums and having um, mutilating surgeries that corrected their uh, fictional condition. And this was science. 
at the time. Oh, yeah, and you can watch old movies, old Hitchcock movies. They have women being given, you know, the, the woman will lose her, her son will have disappeared, and she's getting a little upset, and the husband says, oh, my goodness, don't get hysterical, take this drug. I mean, you know, there's, yeah. you can see that in the old 50s movies as well. Yeah. And when I grew up, I mean, literally, you went into shoe stores and got your feet x-rayed. There were x-ray machines in shoe stores. They didn't know yeah. that x-rays were, you know, that you shouldn't have too many of them. So we definitely have that history of that, but... But, know that we, that, but we are deemed hysterical when we dare to question the science of the day. But, you know, only in, I mean, but particularly in this area, because if you're a child, if you're a parent of a child who has cancer, and you are offered cancer medication for that child, you get to make a decision, don't you? About what is appropriate for your child? It seems like in almost any other medical area, you have freedom of conscience. Uh, but this uh, vaccination issue, because of this sort of myth of herd immunity, has been um, made something we just can't have a choice about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think I'm, I'm trying to see if I have Dell on the line or not. Um, okay. A number is he calling from? Sorry, this is so hard to, like, type and, <laughs> and talk. Yeah, you've got a lot going on, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm talking to um, – so – Dell is the um, producer of Vaxxed, and I'm talking to his uh, PR person right now on the line. So I'm just hoping that I have the right person on hold. I mean, if the, I'm answering the right Do you line. want me to talk you know, a little bit about this um, propaganda Actually, stuff? I think I got Hello, it all figured got out. Tommy, okay, you are it. live okay. on the air. Is this Dell? This is Dell. Yes. Hi. Yes. Thank Hi. you so much for taking the time to call in. I'm sorry about the wait. Uh, I really appreciate you calling in. And for anyone who doesn't know... Um, uh, let me. I wanted to give you a little bit more information uh, about who we have on the program. Del Bigtree is an Emmy Award-winning producer who worked on the daytime show The Doctor for the last six years. With a background both as a filmmaker and investigative medical journalist, he's highly regarded as an unbiased investigative researcher into stories that push the envelope of daytime television. Uh, thank you so much, Del, for calling into the program, uh, and thank you for the work that you're doing right now. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's great hearing your discussion. It's a very important discussion. Obviously, uh, our film Vax has already been uh, mentioned uh, to, in, in your discussion. Uh, and it's true. We have a whistleblower that's saying what everyone always feared, which is the most important health agency in our nation and the world, is uh, committed scientific fraud and is lying to the public. It's a very, very scary situation. Uh, yeah, that is. Uh, it's actually really terrifying when you when we read about it. The uh, uh, that you're talking about, uh, Merck. Is that the one that um, uh, the story that you're talking about is uh, Merck that's being sued? No, I mean, that is about Dr. William Thompson, the the scientist at the Centers for Disease Control. That's what our ah, focus okay. of our Thank film you. is. Um, he uh, came forward in the fall of 2014 and said they committed scientific fraud in the MMR autism study. That's a measles, mumps, rubella vaccine study. And not only has he um, confessed that they've committed fraud, uh, he's provided 10,000 documents that back up his claim, including internal emails where he's reaching out to the head of the CDC, Dr. Julie Grimberding, saying, I refuse to lie. I'm not going to be a part of this. Um, and, uh, and Julie Gerberding went on, uh, after exonerating Merck's product, the MMR vaccine, 
she went on to work for Merck as the head of Merck's vaccine department for a multi-million dollar salary. So that has an revolving door in a, in a watchdog health agency, uh, government agency, the fact that you could exonerate a product and then go and work for that very company. Uh, all I say to people is, can you at least give me a little bit of skepticism here that corruption might be taking place? I get it. It's hard to wrap your head around the fact that this product we're told is there for the health of our children is actually maybe hurting their health. I get that that's hard. It's hard to imagine why a scientific body like the CDC would lie. But what I'm telling you is you've got to listen to Dr. William Thompson. He's a top scientist at the CDC. He still works there. He's been awarded his entire uh, career there. Um, And now we look at the pharmaceutical industry, which is the most powerful industry uh, and lobby in Washington. They are outspending oil and gas by two to one. That's a terrifying. I mean, that's a, it's, yeah. a, it's, an, it's an unbelievable realization. And people have to ask themselves deep down, what are they doing there? Do we think the pharmaceutical industry is just there to fight for the health of our children or fight yeah. for our health? We know that that's not what lobbies do. They're there to make money. And think about this product. Uh, Many people know the pharmaceutical industry. I think we all sort of deep down know that this is a money-grubbing, you know, uh, group or an industry that makes billions of dollars off of selling us products that either do or do not work. And then you see the lawsuits when they don't work or they hurt people. But somehow we categorize vaccines as though they're made by angels. They're made by some (laughs) other group of people. And that's just not true. The truth is this same corrupt industry that is buying your next president, buying your next senator, buying your next congressperson, the future of that industry is vaccines for a couple of reasons that I'd like to point out. Um, Unlike drugs, vaccines cannot be sued when they injure you because of the 1986 Vaccine Injury Compensation Act. The, um, The pharmaceutical industry blackmailed the government of the United States and said, we will stop making vaccines. If you don't protect us from liability, we are tired of being sued for these things. They do hurt some kids, and there's no way to get around it. And the Supreme Court even ruled vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. So because of that, they said, okay, you will no longer be liable for your products. Now the taxpayers will pay for every injury that happens to kids and adults. And since we passed that law, we've paid out over $3.5 billion in damages. So when people tell me vaccines are safe, I say, then where, why did we pay out $3.5 billion in damages? It's not possible. The Supreme Court even ruled, as I said, vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. But what we see happen is the moment we took away liability, that's when our vaccine program in the mid-'80s when this happened went from 10 to 12 or 13 vaccines uh, from childhood through adulthood to uh, protect against what we consider were dangerous diseases. We went from 12 or 13 vaccines. Suddenly, within a couple of years, that vaccine program exploded to 72 vaccines for our children by the time they were uh, 18 years old. So you Mm. see the industry suddenly reacts and says, oh, my God, we have no liability. Now every junky, crappy vaccine we were going to have to test and figure out how to go get on the market, we can just throw it on the market because no one can sue us. Imagine a car company that doesn't have to pay if their brakes fail and you crash into a wall. 
They won't fix those brakes. They don't have to do any more research and development. Just put that product on the market. Well, that's what's happening. And the, and the vaccine programs are exploding. We're getting more. There's 300 vaccines now in the pipeline coming our way. We have a wave of vaccines because you have an industry that doesn't have to worry about the fact that they're not testing them well enough. So that's the one thing. The one reason it's a great product, they can't be sued. Number two, they don't have to test vaccines. This is what was shocking for me as a producer coming from the daytime talks of the doctors, which is I was under the impression that, that, that these things we are injecting in the bloodstreams of our babies are being tested just as much as Grandpa's Viagra is being tested. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it seems like this would be, you know, it's a no-brainer. And then you find out that that is not actually the case, that vaccines have been categorized as biologics outside of uh, the jurisdiction of drugs so Viagra has to be, was tested for 10 years, double-blind safety tests for 10 years looking at are there long-term uh, effects like cancer? Does it cause cancer? Does it affect our DNA, what we call mutagenic effects? Does it somehow alter how our DNA works? They looked at all of that. One group got the drug, one group did it, just like we all learned in science class, placebo-based, double-blind studies. Well, look at, uh, you know, in direct correlate or, or direct, you know, contrast to that, a hepatitis B vaccine injected into a day one old baby, a four, six, eight pound baby in their first day of life, now mandated in, in, in California. So many parents that are trying to deny this vaccine in the first day of life in the hospital are being visited by Child Protective Services, threaten their child is going to be taken away as though somehow they are going to harm their child by not letting them inject a sexually transmitted disease into that day one old baby. A disease mm-hmm. just like HIV AIDS that child will not come in contact with until they are sexually active or sharing needles. Literally something that they will not, they cannot contract until they're acting as adults. And why are parents being threatened to lose their child for not giving them this vaccine? And then I want to point out that we have more babies die on the first day of life in the United mm-hmm. States of America. We have more babies die on the first day than every other industrialized nation combined. And we're the yeah. only ones giving this vaccine. This vaccine has 10 times the amount of aluminum ever approved to be eaten by a child, not even injected, eaten, because we've never tested injecting aluminum. We do say that 25 micrograms of aluminum is the maximum amount you can eat, and this vaccine has 250 micrograms injected. Oh my God. And then you look at the testing. I want to bring back. So now you've got Grandpa's Viagra tested for 10 years. Do you know how long hepatitis B was tested before we put it on the market? Two weeks. Worse. Five not, not days. Fine. Five days. Five days. I mean, that's mm. criminal. That's beyond belief. I am talking to congressmen and senators every day, and I say to them, if, if Viagra's tested for 10 years, you tell me what would be uh, uh, an amount of time that would just make you stand up and say, I'm going to wave a red flag in the Congress and say, we need to look into this. And they usually say, well, I don't like to say I'm not a scientist. I was like, just, just take a stab. Would one year bother you? With one, well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one year. I mean, I'm hoping it's tested as much as, as Viagra was. I was like, well, it's not one year. It's not one month. It's not one week. It's five days. And their jaw hits the table. There are so many facts like this that make vaccines 
you know, so incredibly dangerous because we simply do not know. And that is what the Institute of Medicine has said over and over and over again. This is the body of scientists and doctors that, that inform our government, and they have written report after report saying there are too many side effects that we absolutely do not know whether they're being caused by vaccines or not. In fact, with the DTaP vaccine, the IOM has said we can neither confirm nor deny whether autism is caused by the DTaP vaccine or not because there is not enough testing, and this is extremely concerning when we think about how many children are being injected with this vaccine. I could go on and on, obviously, but those are my thoughts based on what I've heard you all talking about. Well, thank you so much for your time, Del, and for the work that you're doing. This is so huge, and uh, and it's so important, and it's it's so upsetting that so few parents get to hear this uh, side of the argument, or or this side of, this is actually just not an argument, it's the truth, everything that you're sharing, these are all facts, and and parents don't get to to get in front of this. How can parents uh, get to watch back? Yes, good question. Yeah, uh, yeah you can go to vaxed.com. That's V-A-X-X-E-D.com. Uh, you can stream the film there for three ninety nine. You can also buy uh, the DVD on Amazon. You can also stream it at Amazon. It's coming out on iTunes soon. Uh, just about everywhere you look for DVDs now, we're available. And uh, you can also look at uh, uh, Gather, is, a, is G-A-T-H-R.us. There's a company that puts the film into theaters, and there are people that are doing gather events all over the nation, so you can find out if it's playing in a theater near you uh, that way. Something I want to say because it's, I think the real, there's more to this alarm really than just the fact that they're trying to force our babies and children into being vaccinated. It's the beginning of, of uh, a slippery, slippery, dangerous slope that most people are not aware we're going in. It's starting with our babies. They've tried to convince us that this idea of herd immunity, that these babies, this 2% of our unvaccinated children are putting everybody at risk. But the truth is, is that, has n- that is absolutely not true for many reasons. First of all, herd immunity by vaccines is impossible because vaccines only last about six to eight years in, in their efficacy. So you'd have to keep vaccinating everybody over and over and over again, mm-hmm. uh, whereas if they actually naturally get the disease, it lasts for life. But what I'm telling people is this is not about the 2% of unvaccinated kids. It's about you. It's about the adults. The future of the pharmaceutical industry and why they are in Washington is not to get an extra couple hundred bucks in every state off this 2% of unvaccinated children. They want 320 million mandated customers, and here's how they're going to do it. I want you to ask yourself or anybody that's screaming in your face about herd immunity and how dangerous your children are, just ask them this. Have you had a booster shot for any vaccines in the last 10 years? And 85% of the time, they will say no. I can do it in any audience. You do it in any audience. And 85% of the audience will raise their hand and say, I haven't had a booster shot in the last 10 years. That means, as far as the CDC is concerned and Health and Human Services, you are no longer immune to any of the diseases that you were vaccinated for. And so healthy, uh, there's a, something on Health and Human Services website. It's called Healthy People 2020. And what it is is the adult-forced vaccine program that's coming our way. They are going to mm-hmm. mandate vaccines for every adult in this country by the year 2020, four years away. Your next president, your next senator, and your next congressman is going to be pushing for this. 
So not only are your children going to be being lined up to be vaccinated, you are. And then all of a sudden, watch as they buy your, your politicians and your local governments. Watch how many of those 300 vaccines that have all been approved start being mandated upon you. The pharmaceutical industry has created the perfect product, a product you cannot sue when they injure you, a product that if they can convince your politicians you need it, you will have no choice. We are being forced to buy hmm. faulty products that risk our health and the risk of our children, and there's nothing we can do about it. People need to wake up. This is happening. Imagine a world where the government of the United States can inject you with whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. Does that sound like a good idea? I know in my reading of history books that that is a terrible idea no matter who, what country you live in. And I want to remind people, when you vote tomorrow, whether there are people that think Hillary Clinton is the end of the world, there are people that think Donald Trump is the end of the world, but either way, one of those people is going to be holding the syringe that's going to be injected into your body. If you do not stand up for freedom and the right to choose what happens to your body and your child's body, and that is what this is all about. You must fight for the right to control what goes into your body, or as far as I'm concerned, you have no freedom left. Wow. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling in the program. Thank Thanks you. for calling in live from, uh, you're in Omaha, Nebraska right now on the road? I am, yes. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay, well, well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to make time for us. Uh, we really appreciate the work you're doing. Absolutely, and thank you for being a journalist. So many journalists are afraid to look into the truth of this story. If they just opened a couple of websites or a couple of books, they would start finding what I've found. The truth is on our side. The light is shining down. We are going to win, and people are going to realize how powerful they are and how important it is to stand up for our rights right now. Thank you for having me. You guys have a wonderful day. You too. Have a great day. Bye. Oh, my goodness, Peggy. My brain. Oh, my God. I've got to thank this man. Let us bow down and thank Dale for his courage for this film, which got a lot of controversy at the beginning. It is a very important film, and I just want to really thank him for his courage and his hard work and his advocacy and what he just said. He's got his uh, he's got his finger on the facts, you know. Yeah. And I think one of the things that has always been a question for me, and he raised it as well, is how is it, and you said as well too, with all this information that parents don't know it. And I think what it is is that there's a whole other level here. It's You can know the information, but you cannot – have the courage to make that decision because you're going to risk censor with your your family is going to censor you, mm-hmm. your friends. Yeah. Um, you know, as things have heated up, my daughter who recently had an experience just shocked her. You know, she, um, a friend of hers refused to uh, hang out with her anymore when she found a friend of hers who had a young child and she found out that my daughter wasn't vaccinated and she wouldn't hang out, be a friend anymore. And she wow. just, she couldn't even believe it, you know, and and also just any, it wasn't even logical that, that, you know, she would be at risk to anyone or, a, you know, a, but uh, my point is, I think that that's what's happened, especially lately. And I've seen that um, be generated in the media over the years where before there was a lot of tolerance for parents who didn't vaccinate. There was no perception, I would think, until the 
late 90s, and I actually saw an article about when it sort of started, it started to put a bee in the press to um, demonize the parents that don't vaccinate as though they're the problem when, in fact, as Dell was alluding to and mentioned, you know, the vaccines only have a certain efficacy. Some of them are very effective. Some of them have a 45% efficacy. None of them last forever. They do need mm-hmm. to be repeated. And something that I'm seeing lately that really concerns me is this starting to be this rhetoric of vaccinating pregnant women. I saw an article recently that said, and I thought it was going to be about breastfeeding. The title was about how, you know, if you could really protect your child from anything in the future, what would you do? And I thought it's going to be about encouraging breastfeeding. And it was talking about encouraging vaccinating pregnant women because somehow that immunity is going to pass on to their child when, in fact, they already have, as your first uh, speaker talked about, uh, the gal from Oakland, you know, they already have a natural immunity built into the body from the mom's immunity that lasts Usually they say about 18 months, um, and, you know, what about that immunity? That's not even considered, you know, that's not even talked about or considered valid. But anyway, right. huge issue for parents to risk finding out the information but taking that other step of going against society, going against the grain. It, it's a very private decision. I think what I would advise is people keep that very private, what their decisions are about that. It's nobody else's business. And, you know, and maybe even lie sometimes if you have to. I mean, I've gone to emergency rooms where I've been asked, are, are, do they have their vaccines? And I said, oh, yeah, um, right. because I just didn't want to have that conversation right then. You know, I wanted to take care of the emergency situation and not have that conversation about vaccines at that time. So, yeah. you know, I mean, when, when Dell was saying all the things about, you know, uh, being forced to put things into our children's bodies and then this whole idea of the uh, Healthy People 2020 is terrifying, and all I could think of over and over again in my brain was Brave New World. Yeah. Um, where we lived in a, living in a, in a country or society where we were just constantly being drugged, so we don't question things, and things can go on without. I mean, that's the last thing I think any government wants is a, a society full of people who question things. <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, but difficult. on the other hand, we do have more questions. I mean, as a young parent, when I was a young parent, there was no conversation about vaccinations. I never expected it to become a national conversation. I thought it was an issue that would remain in the natural living community. You know, as a question about natural living. How does it, um, how does it work or not work with natural living philosophy? Um, so the fact that it has become such a huge issue, that it, there is so much conversation about it, and that we're also simultaneously having the conversation about opiate addiction and, the, you know, the addiction in our society, um, I, I think I don't think I don't see a dour future. I think that these things take a long time. Advocacy takes a long time, sometimes a hundred years to change things. Um, I you know I think that the awareness that we have, the whistleblowers, this film vaxed, um, very important in cracking the dike of the uh, information. But what I can't quite envision is how does it, you know, I think there ha- there has to be some kind of more scandal that rocks the CDC in, in order for people to lose uh, confidence. Well, let's a talk bit about that because when, um, I'm sorry, I talked right over you. Yeah, when, no, no, uh, go on. I like that. It's fine. We're talking. That's fine. Uh, when uh, when Dell was, uh, he brought something, I said whistleblower, right? Um, mm-hmm. I immediately thought of the article that just recently came out. Oh, of course, in my other computer did Oh, I know there's so many. many. Uh, (laughs) Um, But uh, so for the first time, this is the first court case. Uh, United States versus Merck uh, is a real thing. So um, Merck is facing a slew of controversies over its measles, mumps, rubella uh, vaccine following numerous allegations. By the way, I'm quoting from the Huffington Post. 
Uh, okay. Mark scientists turned uh, whistleblowers. A third whistleblower, this one a scientist at the Centers for Disease Control, also promises to bring Merck grief following his confession of misconduct involving the same MMR max, uh, vaccine. The controversies oh. will find Merck defending itself and its vaccine in at least two federal court cases after a U.S. district judge earlier this month threw out Merck's attempts at dismissal. Merck okay. now faces federal charges of fraud from the whistleblowers, a vaccine competitor, and doctors in New Jersey and New York. Merck could also need... Oh, now my computer's working. Hello. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Peggy. Oh, nice to you. All right, I'm looking here, too. I got it. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, if, if nobody knows what I'm talking about, Merck is a pharmaceutical giant, and this is a, it's a big deal uh, of what's going on with it right now. They are, have numerous allegations, not one or two, but numerous allegations of wrongdoing from different parties. Uh, and, and this isn't just, like, one person bringing it up against them. And it, I think, ironically, it's a competitor. <laughs> That's going oh, after them. Yeah. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah, and they are um, accused of, um, well, let's see, I'll tell you what they did. Uh, let me go back to the Huffington Post. Uh, the first case, United States versus Merck, blah, 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 blah. According to the whistleblower's court documents, Merck's misconduct was far-ranging. It failed to disclose that its mumps vaccine was not as effective as Merck represented. It used improper testing techniques, manipulated testing methodology, abandoned undesirable test results, falsified test data, failed to adequately investigate and report the diminished efficacy of its mumps vaccine, falsely verify that each manufacturing lot of mumps vaccine would be as effective as identified in the labeling, falsely certify the accuracy of applications filed with the FDA, falsely certified compliance with the terms of the CDC contract, engaged in the fraud and concealment described herein for the purpose of illegally monopolizing the U.S. market for mumps vaccine, mislabeled, misbranded, and falsely certified its mumps vaccine and engaged in the other acts described herein to conceal the diminished efficacy of the vaccine the government was purchasing. Wow. And that's what I thought he was talking about at first, because <laughs> this is kind of a big deal. And if the whistleblowers win, it could represent more than a moral victory, because uh, under the False Claims Act, the whistleblowers would receive a share, about 25% to 30% of the amount the government recovers. So oh. they have a they have a reason to come after them too. Um, but other settlements involving fraud by pharmaceutical companies under the False Claims Act have run into the hundreds of millions of dollars. So and wow. and in cases like uh, GlaxoSmithKline and Pfizer, it went into the billions. So this like, is a big deal going on right now, and you and nobody's heard about it. No, nobody exactly. Well, we'll make sure that doesn't. Happen. We'll make we'll take care of that right now. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? My whole show is about, like, putting things in front of parents that they're not going to hear about through the mainstream media because mainstream media doesn't, this is not, well, I mean, look at mainstream media. Who do you think that they're getting money from? Um, No, no, the media conglomerates, that's part of it. I mean, who's advertising exactly? As Adele said, the pharmaceutical company is the hugest industry in the country in terms of our health care. I mean, it's our number one, our gross domestic product, our number one income generating thing is health care, you know, so... We right. are, we we're really have a terrible conflict right there in terms of, you know, what again that for-profit healthcare system. Right. Um, I wanted to share that Simsara said that she was hosting a showing for parents of color in December in Oakland at the Better Birth Foundation. Uh, she's showing back. Yeah, as part of their. Well, I just well, but I just went online also just to know on Amazon you can uh, put that you can stream it for free on Amazon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think she's doing it. Yeah, so there's lots of different ways to watch it, which I didn't realize, right. and I'm glad that we can watch that. Oh, yeah. I'm so stoked. I'm going to watch that with my husband tonight. I, I was waiting I for uh, watch it too. something to come to Albuquerque. Maybe you and I but, should put one on in there. Yeah, but let's come, back, let's come back around here for a second, because <laughs> I think 
what I want to say to parents is I want them to make informed decisions. I want them to have freedom of conscience. I don't want to say to them now, because we're saying all the scary stuff about vaccines, don't vaccine, don't vaccinate. That's not what I want to say. I want to say you you have got to make your own decision. I had a woman in my office years ago, and she was crying. And she was crying because when she went to her acupuncture, she felt pressured not to vaccinate. And when she went to see her family, she felt pressured to vaccinate. And she didn't know what she felt herself. She didn't know what her own opinion was. So what ah. we want to say here is it's just it's very similar to birth in which we think, you know, a woman goes in, she goes into a birth experience not knowing the politics of birth and that there was a lot more to her decision-making than she may have realized. In the same way with vaccinations, we're not fully informed when we make that decision. We often make it out of coercion to go along with the crowd because our doctor said so, because our parents will be mad at us. We have to really mm-hmm. look at the evidence make a conscious decision, and then we will have no regrets. We will have no regrets later because even if something happens and we can go back and say, gosh, I really researched this, I looked at everything, no matter which way you decide, you will have less regrets in the future if you made that conscious decision. So we're not saying, I'm not saying don't vaccinate at all. I'm, I'm saying my experience, which I rarely share because I don't want to uh, influence others, but in this case I wanted to share my personal experience, um, but it's just my personal experience. You know, when I made my personal experience, my personal decisions, I was no authority. I didn't know anything more about anything than anyone else did. Um, I just went by my gut and by my what I felt was appropriate at the time, and that may change over time also. So I just say okay. to parents, inform yourself, make a decision that's your own, keep it private, it's a private decision, and and make it one that you can actually live with. Exactly. That's the whole point of the program is to inform, not to preach, and to connect, not alienate. We want to just get information out to the public, and then what you could do with it is your own business. We were just hoping that um, it's hard to make decisions when you don't have the information, and that's what the program is about. Um, I want to go ahead and invite folks to go ahead and call now. I told them that they couldn't until <laughs> 25 oh, yeah, minutes the program. Forgot about that. So uh, let me go ahead and get you guys that information since we'll take our little break right here. Take a nice deep breath, everybody, and <laughs> we keep moving on. Um, uh, da, 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 here we go. Uh, we would like to thank our listeners and our sponsors, Doula Trainings International, the fine folks at Babomia, and Doula Book for supporting our mission to bring great information to listeners like you. The number to call in during the show is 347-850-1642. That number again is 347 347- Eight five zero one six four two. If you would like to ask a question or make a comment, please press one, and it will alert our producer that you have something to say. Um, and uh, I'd like to thank you again, Peggy, for being on the program. I've, uh, I don't want to fangirl too hard. I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm oh no, <laughs> I feel the same way, Gina. Thank you. We're in it together. You know, we've just been what an increase in information parents have had. I mean, with the internet and with all the advocacy groups. So thank you very much for your advocacy as well. Oh, thank you. Um, so getting back into this, um, as far as parents feeling bullied, I know that there are um, doctors that will drop you if you decide yeah. not to vaccinate your children. What's a parent to do? Well, I think, I mean, I want to say that you can always find somebody that will accept you in their practice, but I don't think that's true in all areas. You know, I live in Santa Fe where we have a pretty progressive community, so there are people that are more open to um choices like that I don't know you know I think you've got to look for that right practitioner you've got to keep again be private where you need to be private Um, I think really kind of a trap is you know and and Del commented on this I believe is these the re maybe 
the reason that babies are vaccinated so early is because that's when the doctors see them. You know, so the reason that they mm. have B happens at the hospital is because they're afraid, public health officials are afraid, if I don't get that baby now, I'm never going to get that baby. And I can't mm. risk, I can't screen for the mom, so i got to vaccinate all the babies so I can take care of this, you know, hep B thing down the road. Same thing when you go into the well baby check. The well baby check is not a well baby. It is that, but it's also a time to vaccinate. So I would say avoid well baby checks. Don't take your child to the doctor unless you need to see the doctor for a, unless you're ill. You know, if you go into the well baby checks, then you're going to get in a conversation about vaccines that you maybe don't right. want to have. Right. If your baby's so, well, why yeah. are you at the doctor? Yeah, well, that's what I think, too. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, unless you need that confidence, and sometimes you do, right. that everything's sure. okay, but... Um, you know. Yeah, it just it's a it's a funny thing. I would take your baby to the doctor for a well baby visit. Um, I yeah, believe that we so have I think a that's caller one way to do it. on the okay, line. Okay. I can get him on. Hi, caller. Thank you for calling in. You're live on the air. Where are you calling from? Hey, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can. Wow. Hi, I'm calling right now from um from the north shore of Hawaii. Kauai is actually the island. Yay, Kauai! Yay! Yay, Kauai! <laughs> And um, I just wanted to. I, I um, really just a comment. I just wanted to thank you, Peggy, for everything you do. I'm a naturopathic oh. physician, and I, I started probably on this journey a long, long time ago. And it, it was inspired by reading like a 1990s mothering magazine. You know, like straight out oh. of high school, just having that inspiration to how can I. You know, how can I really help? What you're saying is, you know, let's not preach to parents. Let's just give them options because it's just like birth. I, I do. I'm a naturopathic midwife, you know, and and why why are our doctors not looking at our children as as we would a mom who's coming in for a choice on how to have her baby? Does she want a medicalized childbirth or does she want a natural childbirth? And if she wants it natural, let's help her get there and same yeah. thing with the natural family living. I just am so inspired in every every bit of my life is because of what I read from, you know, your editorials and your, your magazine. So thank you for what you, oh. you do. And thank you so, so much. much for saying that, and thank you for carrying on the work. I think that we're all doing this together, and we all see it and, you know, nurture each other to get these ideas out there to more people. So I thank you for your work as well. Um, and to yeah, Sorry, if, you, if you had, like, I think earlier um, Peggy was asked that question, like, what do you do if you can't find a practitioner who's not going to threaten you? I work with people all over the United States. You know, many naturopaths will do a consult over the phone. And even okay. from here, I had, I had a pretty lucrative, and, and, and um, what I mean to say is many patients, many pediatric families that I took care of. I helped birth their babies in southern Vermont. And right now we're just kind of in, in Kauai for a little bit. But um, in the past two years, I've continued to maintain relationships with those families. And when even, at, let's say, they're in the car and they're on their way to the ER, they'll call me uh, in the car ride. And they'll ask me and I'll ask them a series of questions. And then we lead to the, the result of you really on the way to the ER right now, and then maybe it's, we find out that it's really just constipation that their child is crying from. And then they turn the car around and they go back home and they they wake me up in the morning and they're like, guess what, the, the kid had a bowel movement and now she's all better, you know? So <laughs> they avoided so much in that, in that scare. And I think a lot of this parenting is just this fear-driven, like we're scared because we don't have community to help us. And Peggy was 
creating that community by having Mothering Magazine because then you get to, like, read on there and talk about, well, I'm not the only mom that this happened to. Exactly, yeah. So how do people find you, though, if they want? I think that's a great idea if they could have a a doctor, you know, online or through the phone. How would they, do they go to a naturopathic national organization? How can they find somebody that way? They could. I mean, if you Google search state, there's naturopaths in every state, it seems now, and and many of them are willing to do telemedicine like myself and just see, you know, if they if they have pediatrics on their, you know, on their advertisement that that's what, on their website that that's what they're practicing, you know, pediatrics, anyone who does pediatrics is going to be able to do a little triage over the phone to just help you realize as a parent where you need to do further study or where you need your further confidence or answer some questions or have a consult, you know, and, and just get, it's really about teaching, right, and informing the families so that they feel confident with their next decision with their children. Um, there's a mom that I did work with, that I worked with in South Carolina, and she has a blog called Moms Gone Green. And I watched her create this blog, and it's really just from her, you know, asking me questions on the phone for years, and now she has a blog. And now she, there you go. You, yeah, you seated her. Yeah. That's great. Amen. Yeah. Room for Thank lots you, of guys. Thank you for calling. Yeah, um, would you stay on the line and we'll just, uh, have you on mute for the program? I'd like to ask you some questions after the show. Uh, absolutely, Gina. Okay. All right. Thank you for calling. Um, yeah, that's it. I, I love the idea of community. So I had somebody message me on Facebook about um, um, hiding the fact that you um, vaccinated or, or chose not to vaccinate. So. The message I got was um, poor people live uh, are an open book uh, if they want services. So if you're yeah. if you're not a poor person right. want it, just wanting services, and you you have the right to privacy. Um, and she went on to say uh, that because I wrote, oh, it's a privilege thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure, everything is. That no no one should have to hide the fact that they are exercising their right. Push back. It's um, <laughs> she said it's a a privileged attitude to try to hide that, and then she said, "Okay, that. good, yeah, good to know." <laughs> so what well, does I she? Have she of, you know, um, of maybe maybe we are reaching a time where we need to fight back, where we need to say, "I know I'm exercising my rights," but at the same time, I get saying, like, say in an ER, you know, is your kid vaccinated? I know I would say yes because that that is not the time or the place for me to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that that's the same thing as hiding. But I, I appreciate her. No, but that's a good point. But I think that's a point, and your first caller made that point as well, that the people of color and, you know, that have a whole – people, low-income populations have a whole other uh, challenge in terms of forced procedures and forced vaccinations. So I don't know the answer to that. I mean, we'd have to have somebody from that community speak to us about if there's anything people can do there. It, it, did the gal that – can you communicate with the gal that uh, messaged you Oh, Sam Sarah Morgan, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yes, see what she has to say. But yeah. I want to just mention that um, one thing I found on the American Academy of Pediatrics site is um, that, you know, they had made a statement to eliminate non-medical uh, vaccinations for school entry. That's their policy. But they got donations of more than 50000 from the manufacturer of the polio flu and pediatric combination vaccine, from Pfizer, from uh, Regeneron, and over fifty twenty five thousand from Merck, who does is again the only manufacturer of MMR and Gardasil. So we have to again factor in this conflict of interest that is just in our society in so many areas, and look at that as a piece of the puzzle. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was something else. Oh, um, Dell brought up gather events. I wanted to remind everybody of that uh, if you wanted to put a, an event together. Uh, I don't know if there was already oh, an yeah. event in Albuquerque or Santa Fe because I would love to have Zach shown here. So if you want to do that with fun for us to do that, maybe do that. do that, Gina, and have a conversation. That would be great. I'd love to do that with you. Yeah, with a, a talkback panel. I think it would be fantastic. Um, so uh, getting back to what Dell said, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know that it was really – I don't know that we can say this enough that – they don't have to test vaccines. Oh, no, that's what you don't have any idea. I know it's, yeah. I, I would want anything tested before I put it into my child's body. And when he was talking about, like, what was safe to ingest versus what they're putting into your bloodstream. Yes, well, that that's really the whole thing. Gave me the chills. That gave me so much pause. I mean, uh, and, you know, for myself, it's so hard as a parent. You want to do everything right. You 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 don't want to do wrong by your kids. Uh, you know you you exactly. do what you can with the information you have at the time. Uh, I have a lot of parents who call me. Um, they want to talk about like the fact that they had circumcised their first child, but they're not circumcising their second child. And what do I say? And I'm like, you know, you're a great parent. You're, yeah, you're, you do what you do. You, you bring consciousness you and you. Yeah, and then it changes, exactly. Right. And I remember when we first, when we were deciding whether to vaccinate or not, um, it was a really hard decision for me and not a really hard decision for my husband. Right? He was like, these are the facts. This is what bothers me about them. And, and mine was more emotional where I'm like, oh, my God, what will my parents say? What will my friends say? And, exactly. you know, That's the hardest part, yeah. You're feeling really confident about, like, no, 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 this is wrong. I'm not going to do this. And then, you know, you watch TV. Or, or you're on Facebook and somebody's like, you're an idiot. Maybe I am an yeah. idiot. Yeah, you're very and susceptible so, to that as a parent, you know, of I feeling that. I get that, that it's hard. Yeah, yeah. It's I get that, hard. and I want our listeners to know, uh, I feel you if you're like, wow, geez, gee, I don't know. Well, I'm not asking you to make up your mind. I'm just asking you to keep your mind open, do your own research, find out more about what's going on, pay attention to um, to what's happening. Oh, do we have a second to talk about Dr. Bob, or can we? Are you asking me, or are you asking yeah, your I'm asking producer? You. No. Oh, I'm yeah, sure. You. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do that, because I was just thinking about um, finding physicians. They, they do exist. There are some wonderful doctors out there. Uh, I missed the heck out of our pediatrician back in Fresno, California. Uh, he, he was just an amazing doctor and, and so lovely. He had his own IBCLC on staff. And when I told him that we were thinking about not vaccinating our kids, he's like, well, that's your right as a parent. It's like, exactly. oh, my gosh. There I you go. Wow. <laughs> I love you I so much. Exactly. That's all you want, exactly, is somebody to work with you and, and help you with those decisions. If you know, God, That would be great. That's kind of doctor, Dr. Bob Sears. I, I, he came to Fresno, California. Peggy, this is uh, eight years ago. I asked him to come to my maternity store and talk to parents. We had crammed, like, 90 people into a little room. And, nice. Uh, and talked about his book about vaccines. And he never, ever, ever said, don't vaccinate. He no, he's pro-vaccination. He's a pro-vaccine yeah. doctor. I mean, yeah. he's that's why he's so lovely. He's not, you know, he's not a crazy quack. He's a pro-vaccine doctor from a very respected family. His father's a doctor. His mother's a nurse. His brothers are doctors. He's very, he has a huge amount of integrity, and he just has chosen to work with parents and um, and to respond to their their questions and to their their decisions in terms of vaccinations. Respectfully. Respectfully, exactly. Um, and that's a big deal. So the reason we're bringing up Dr. Bob is that um, he's under fire right now uh, for doing just that. 
for, for being a uh, respectful physician who um, is now uh, under fire uh, and is accused of all things of negligence, which is very upsetting. Uh, you know, this is, I think, Peggy, um, another way to frighten parents. Um, yeah. And, and if you can't Absolutely. frighten the parents, then let's frighten the doctors. Yeah, and I think he's keeping it kind of quiet because of that, because it's a very private thing. It raises a lot of questions. Um, but there, you know, we should know that a lot of complaints are brought against doctors by the medical board that never mm-hmm. result in anything. Um, and the, this complaint is about one child who Dr. Sears saw a number of times, and one of the times he saw them saw him, his, the child's mom reported that he had had a reaction to his first vaccine that sounded like uh, a shock, you know, a, a shock reaction. So Dr. Sears recommended that he not get any further uh, childhood vaccines, and a lot of uh, his supporters believe that that's the reason that this um, complaint was brought against him because of that uh, decision to do that. Um, he was an, also a really vocal opponent of um, Senate Bill 277 in California, mm-hmm. which was the bill that eliminated medical exemptions and is being uh, challenged in the court. Um, and he's just the kind of doctor you want and is has a right. lot of integrity and i and you know i don't know i think you and i talked about like how can we help him uh, i think we can help him mainly by supporting in however way way we can freedom of conscience in letters yeah. to the editor because i think it's a california issue i don't want to yeah. see this turn into a flame battle on social media to attack vaccine people of any point of view or to attack him um, this is a California issue. It has a lot to do with the Senate bill. So if people live in California, it would be really good for them to write letters to their um, local newspapers in support of Dr. Bob or in support of freedom of conscience uh, because the legislators look at those kind of things, and they are uh, really important. And, uh, you know, it's, again, the, the, the fellow that was the um, sponsor of the Senate bill, um, 277 in California, he had about $92,000 donated to him from special interests. So, you know, he was mm-hmm. also somebody who was influenced by that, by that special interest thing. But so um, what do you think, Gina, in terms of what would be helpful to support Dr. Sears? Uh, I, I think everything that you said was fantastic. And um, just sharing your, your, your freedom of conscience, that just, yeah. that's such a big deal. Um, it's so important. It, it's and defending it, it, religious Go ahead. No, go ahead because it's just it's just a huge tradition in our in our government in our jurisprudence. And there's a man named uh, George Annis who's a professor of um, human rights at uh, Boston University School of Public Health, and he's definitely a vaccine proponent and he's a supporter. But he also defends the rights of individuals to seek exemptions. And he says, according to him, 90% of the people want vaccination. So part of this is that it's a very small minority of people. We still, even with this vocal, somewhat vocal, minority of people who are questioning vaccines, are well meeting our, our compliance with the World Health Organization standards for the um, coverage for vaccination. So they aren't these people, you know, the people that... Um, have exercised freedom of conscience about vaccines are not undermining the vaccine program in any way. And um, he, uh, Annis talks about a statement that the American Academy of Pediatrics makes that you can't 
really that the Academy of Pediatrics is always supported and all have all the uh, medical institutions freedom of conscience and, and freedom of 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 um, choice in vaccinations. Well, that's that's just it. I mean, I was brought up um, in a very patriotic home and sure. um, brought up to believe, you know, that this is the home of the free and the brave. And I, I still cry when I hear this, you know, yeah, sure, <laughs> um, our yeah. national anthem. And I get the chills, and I love it. I love the whole idea of that. And then at the same time, you know, freedom of thought is the freedom of an individual to hold or consider a fact, viewpoint, or thought independent of others' viewpoints. Um, that, that's our freedom is the pursuit of happiness. And the idea of having a government that says, I don't care what you think or what you believe in, this is going to happen, and I'm going to put this inside of your body. Um, being forced exactly. to put something inside of your body has a lot of really negative connotations for me. <laughs> and, oh, and no, it has so many, yeah. <laughs> um, and, again, know, the American Academiatrics in their, in their curriculum, what they teach doctors, their bioethics, in their bioethics curriculum, they have a statement that reads, except in emergency situations in which a child's life is threatened imminently or a delay would result in significant suffering or risk to the child, a physician cannot do something to a child without the permission of the child's parent or guardian. Touching or administering, administering a medication or a vaccine without consent is considered battery under the law. In the case of routine vaccinations, the American Academy of Pediatrics does not believe parental refusal should be viewed as child neglect. So they, even the AAP is making, even while they're pushing for vaccinations, they are also in their bioethical statements supporting freedom of conscience. And that's just the thing. It, it doesn't, uh, there's a, there's a cognitive dissonance there, yeah? Yeah, there is, exactly. That's uh, huge. You know, freedom of thought, um, this is from the Supreme Court Justice Benjamin Cardozo, um, in Palco versus Connecticut in 1937, he said, freedom of thought is the matrix, the indispensable condition of nearly every other form of freedom. With rare aberrations, a pervasive recognition of this truth can be traced in our history, political, and legal. Um, you know, this is a, humans right, a human rights issue, and I hope that um, the conversation will continue after today. Um, yeah, I'm sure it will. Thank you so much for joining me today. Great to talk Many to you. Many thanks you so much. to uh, all of our callers, Sam Sarah Morgan, and to Dale Bigtree for calling in. Uh, this is a, a very sensitive issue. I hope that we did it justice and uh, that it will get our listeners to start thinking. And, and maybe just do, and I would suggest you to do a follow-up show uh, for people of color, people in low-income communities on public assistance, yes. indigenous community, what are they experiencing around the vaccine issue. Let's get this out of the privilege talk as it is. What about uh, other people that might not have privilege? How can um, they ex exercise freedom of conscience? How can they be in this mm -hmm. conversation? Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, somebody messaged me that Dr. Bob has asked us not to do anything um, until he asks us to. So. Um, I agree. We can help in all kinds of other ways, so that's just perfect. Um, okay. okay, thank you so much for being on the program. Um, many thanks again to our sponsors, Adula Trainings International, for the support of the program and to the wonderful people at Bebomia and to doulabook.com. Come and see me in the real life. I will be in Denver, Colorado, December 3rd, Boulder, December 4th, San Antonio, December 10th. Block at events are many birth conferences open at doulas, hopeful doulas, birth nerds, and parents. I'm going to be hosting 10 of them in 2017. Some locations are Calgary, New York, Toronto, Montreal, San Diego, Hawaii, Chicago, and The Farm. And, oh, my gosh, if you guys sign up for Flock Yeah right now, you can join our Culture Doula program. 
get in on it. Follow me at MsGinaKirby.com on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Gina Kirby and on Instagram at Gina Kirby. Thank you so much for your time, everyone. And until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Thank you. Darn it. (laughs) If I ever do anything If I ever waking up night, I wanna know.